Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my guest, Dr. John Duffy. Hello, John. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Good. So I am so excited to have you here because you are honestly what I think is the leading expert on teens in America and all over the world today. I think you are the leading expert, and I love what you are saying out there about teens. That means the world to me. Thank you so much. Really. Your message is positive. It struck such a chord with me. I have a teenager, so I really identify with a lot of the stuff that you said. And we're gonna be talking a lot today about teens and grief. And I wanna tell everybody about your book, which is called Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety. Here it is. It's, it is a must read for anyone that lives with a teen, knows the teen, or works with a teen. John is a nationally known speaker and media expert. He is constantly in the news. He's constantly on television. I know you're on the Steve Harvey show often as their expert. Yeah. So, uh, and you also, in your spare time, have a private practice in the Chicago area, and you host two podcasts, which I listen to. I love them. So please download those. One of them is with his wonderful wife, Julie Duffy, and that is called Better. And the other podcast is with Heidi Stevens, and she works with the Chicago Tribune. Correct. Very good. And that one is called On Purpose. Exactly. So get those and get John's book. So, and the other thing I wanted to say is that John is a bereaved sibling as well. And his brother Tom died by suicide in 2001. Yes. So I'd like yep. to start out today, John, asking you about uh, how you got into this field and, and asking you a little bit about your story with Tom and if that has had any influence in what you do today. It absolutely does. Um, so my brother, Tom, who's my younger brother by a couple of years, um, he uh, suffered from a, a number of things. He, he carried every psychiatric diagnosis you can think of. But really, um, and I think you'll understand this, I always pare it down to Tom kind of died of a broken heart in a lot of ways. And he carried that for a lot of his life. And um, so when I went into this field, uh, was pretty close to the time Tom died. My plan was, I'm going to make a fortune working with high-functioning adults. This is going to be a trouble-free career, nice and easy. And then I realized after uh, he died by suicide, I want to I want to work with young people, and I want to um, prevent it. Kind of honor his life by helping people get heard, um, having their uniqueness acknowledged instead of vilified, and, um, and really lifting them up, lifting young people up so that they feel the will to live. And, um, and an awful lot of young people today more than ever, they're not necessarily overtly suicidal, but I've, ha I've heard so many kids, Heidi, say to me, I, I don't care whether I live or die. I don't care if I wake up tomorrow morning. So I'm not going to do anything overtly, but I, I don't feel a lot of hope either. Yeah. And that really scares me. And I know, I know that your brother struggled with that as a teen and I know he was an artist 
and he was this yes. really creative kid and he felt like there wasn't enough validation for what he was doing and for his path. And that's why I like your message. You're, you're, you're there in your book saying, look, uh, these teens now, our teens out there, they're living in a very stressful world. Yes. We need to be here as parents supporting them and as an anchor, not creating more punitive judgment, et cetera, in their lives because they already have that. And we need to know that they're carrying a burden around all the time. You know, just being a teen now is grit. It is resilience. Just making it through your teenage days is pretty difficult. And so we can honor the fact that our kids are making it through, even though a lot of them suffer anxiety, most all of them suffer some anxiety, some depression. And so they're working hard and they're deep, compassionate people. So they don't need our burdens laid on top of their own. Their own are very heavy and we don't want to be the tipping point for them into something that is irreparable. And you and I both know what irreparable feels like. Well, and I think that's what scares parents out there that have had the, the loss of a child or that have had a loss. It can be any kind of loss. Okay, so kids, teens are, like you said, in the best of situations, life is stressful. Yes. And then you put a death on top of that. It could be the death of a friend, a death of a family member. You know, parents get really scared that, okay, is this the tipping point? And I often hear, and I don't know what, what you would say to this, I hear over and over, my teen is not speaking to me about this, and I have yeah. no idea how they're doing. Yep. You know, I hear that all the time, too. And, um, and, and teens are people of few words with their parents, and developmentally, that's pretty reasonable. Uh, but it is frightening for a lot of parents because and not many kids now aren't exposed to suicide in some way. Right. You know, um, there are big schools around all surrounding me. I've spoken to a few high schools recently since the book was published. Mm -hmm. And at every single one, there's been a note somebody's made that, you know, like, oh, we had somebody who took their life here last year or this year or the year before. And so kids know this is happening and parents know their kids know. Mm -hmm. And yet and so their, their their anxiety level goes up even higher and kids kind of keep their parents at arm's length about that. So as parents, we wonder, how do I get through to my child about any of this? How do I get them to listen to me? And what I usually tell people is spend a lot of good time with your kids. Don't uh, spend a lot of time looking at portals and trackers and, you know, looking for some way to be punitive with them. They need allies. They need people who are completely on their side on the worst day when they're doing, when they've committed the worst crime against the family or the law or whatever, they need to know you're with them and you're good with them 100%, even if you need a bunch of things to change. And then you can kind of have your say about, you know, or, or even ask the question, are you okay? And, you know, and you can talk a little bit about what that means and your child will answer that. But if you have no goodwill established with them, they're not going to give you that. You know, um, kids are pretty I like concerning. It. So start with a, just a relationship. And yes. one without an agenda. Yep. You know, it's, it's like sometimes when teens walk in the home, this is the first minute, the second they get home, it's like, what kind of homework do you have tonight? Yep. That is like the first question. And it's like, like you're saying, spend some just quality time. It's light and creating a relationship. And get to know them a little bit. Um, I, I had this great moment a couple of weeks ago. I was giving a talk and, um, and this 17-year-old girl interrupted me. I was talking about how 
kids sometimes look for sympathy from each other online. And she said, oh, that's called sad fishing. And she gave yeah. me, she told me a story about that. I'd never heard that before. I've never and heard it. Have you never heard it? Never. So, and I have a 14-year-old. <laughs> right, right, right. So if you ask your 14-year-old today, you know, yeah. have you heard about sad fishing? She, if, you, if you're connected with her, yeah. she'll, she'll give you a tutorial on what's going on in her world. Mm -hmm. But our, the, the world of our, our kids is a mystery to so many of us. And we're the first generation of, of parents in that situation. And so we have to learn a lot from them. And so the way to do that is to connect with them. And then they're pretty good teachers. And they'll tell us, you know, here's what sad fishing is. This is what vaping is. This is what juuling is. This is where kids, uh, this is where kids are online. This is how they connect with each other online. This is where it goes sideways for them online. But without some of that information to learn from our kids, we're kind of parenting in the dark. It's not particularly useful. Well, I like what you're saying because, you know, a lot of kids that have had a, a loss, it sounds like they can go online sometimes and get support. So while they, sure. might, while they might not look like they're grieving, they might be, like you said, sad fishing or going online and connecting with their friends through the Internet and talking yes. about these losses. Yeah, and, I, and I'm a little bit ambivalent about this because I think it's amazing that kids create these groups on Snapchat, on Instagram, on Facebook even, where they are kind of supporting each other through losses, you know, like, so there are some awful things that kids do online. We love to, my generation, we love to focus on that, yeah. but they do a really, really uh, empathic, caring um, beautiful things online too. And supporting each other through loss is one of them. Supporting families uh, who have lost a child in particular. Um, yeah. They're amazing at this. So I think we want to recognize that in them and honor that in them without burdening them with being therapists for one another. Mm -hmm. That's where I think we run into trouble is where they're taking care of each other too much and they're doing our jobs at 14 right. and 15 years old. Yeah, that's a heavy burden. Right? It's too much to ask. Yeah. I also like what you say in the book about the fact that, you know, I hear over and over today, kids are wusses, they're weak, they need to suck it up, they need their snowflakes. And you address that in this book. So what would you say to that when you hear those messages? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was at, asked that recently on, uh, on TV and I kind of snapped a little bit. Because the truth of the matter is these, these kids are not wusses. They're really strong. They're really powerful. They're deeply thoughtful. Um, and the fact that they're empathic doesn't make them wusses. It actually, that's a really potent strength of theirs. And they are less likely now to tolerate bullying online, in person. They will not tolerate, I always say drunk driving is going to go extinct with this generation of kids, right? They, they will not have it. Um, and they don't like it when people suffer, not just in the cafeteria in their high school, but across the planet. The, they're really caring, thoughtful people. And so far from the snowflake thing, you know, if that's an insult, then, you know, let's, let's change the tenor of that because these are really, really powerful, thoughtful people. You know, um, I don't think Greta Thunberg is, a, is an exception. I think that there are a lot of kids who have that kind of potency and that kind of power who are going to start showing up more and more on the scene. That's amazing. So the other thing I wanted to ask you, so for the people out there watching it, whether they be parents or teachers that are worried about kids, teenagers that are going through it, that have had a loss, what kinds of advice would you give them? 
um, ask your kids about the loss, you know? So instead of a lot of times we want to impart wisdom about like, here's here, it's perfectly normal to feel what you feel and, you know, to talk to them about what they should be going through and what it should be like. Um, kids are really smart and thoughtful about this stuff. So if you ask them like, how are you? What does it feel like? What, you know, and allow, allow it to be awful sometimes, you know, like kids sometimes are, are can say, yeah, I'm having a really, really hard time with this. And if as parents or the adults in kids' lives, we let them feel what they feel and we honor that, they can move through that. You know what I mean? And kind of move through the stages of grief, maybe not in a clean, linear way, but in some way. But if we're telling them, this is what you do, this is how you feel, you know, no, don't feel badly about this. Everything's going to be fine. You know, then we're kind of cutting off a really natural process and kids are able to go through that and they're aware we're not protecting them from anything by telling them everything's fine they're aware that everything's not fine they're smart and they're discerning I think, is, I think this is really key i think it's one of the hardest things that parents can do and one of the most important like you're saying you need to acknowledge and validate what is going on rather than rushing to fix it and saying it's yeah. going to be fine it's okay because kids are like no you're not hearing me it's not okay right now i need you to listen so yep. I think that's before you rush into, okay, let's talk about options and what we can do. No, and I, it's so, I love the way, you, the way you put it. You know, you're not hearing me right now. In my office, when I work with families, kids say this to their parents, especially in the wake of loss, all the time. You're not hearing me. Um, I worked about a year and a half ago with a boy who lost a friend of his and, um, to suicide. And, uh, and his parents were like, you know, well, you're fine. And, he, you know, he was in a lot of pain. So he's resting in peace. And he's like, no, mom, this, you know, this is not okay. This is awful. I'm so upset that this happened. And she did stop and she paused and she, she you know, kind of with my uh, bidding a little bit yeah. and let him speak his peace. And she said, it's the hardest thing she's ever done in her life is to let her child be in pain. And I think that's, that's, so we have to acknowledge that too, that as parents, you know, out of the goodness of our hearts, we want to alleviate that pain from our kids, but we're not really helping them through it if we're telling them not to feel it. Right. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about, because you, you brought up that the uh, client that had the suicide, and I know that that's been something that you've, you've dealt with also with your brother. What about parents and teachers that are terrified that there has been a suicide in the school and that now their child is at, is at risk for suicide. Yeah. The, uh, are they or aren't they? And what's going to happen at this point? Right, right, right. No, um, that is such a common thing. You, you must work with that too, because I run into that a lot. I've actually worked with a couple of a teacher and a school administrator um, in schools in which children have taken their lives. And um, they're worried about their own kids and the kids they work with. And they... Um, almost feel incapacitated by the fear. Uh, so we talk about like, okay, so I, I'm not a big prayer guy necessarily, but I think about the serenity prayer a lot. Yeah. And I, that yeah. idea of like, you know, well, okay, what do you have agency over here? You can listen, you know what I mean? You can, and you can make it clear that you are available to hear anybody out at any time. That's what you can do. And so if you're really clear that you're present and available for that, and that you're in pain too. And that's one thing I, I find that um, a lot of the adults involved feel like they're required to be stoic in some way. And I think the more they model that it's okay to feel the pain, 
kids will rise to that and recognize like, okay, well, if, if you're upset, if, you know, if I see you in the hallway and you're saying that it's a tough day for me, I think it's okay as administrators, teachers to say, this is really hard for me too. There's a big myth out there in the world that if we bring up suicide or bring up the topic that it's going to cause somebody to take their life. This is a, a lot of parents in particular are fearful about this. Like, you know, let's not, let's not talk about this. I've been coached like, you know, Hey, if we can avoid talking about the suicide, you know, um, in the family one time, you know, like, it's like, yeah. mm, no, that's not what we're going to do here because the more we make this taboo and something we can't talk about, um, the more your child just carrying around his or her feelings. But I think it's important that, you know, people in our profession are really clear that kids aren't so suggestible. They, you know, the, talking about it doesn't mean you're, you're giving some tacit permission or suggesting like you should go out and do this too. You know, no kids are willing to talk about it. And um, I don't know about your experience, but I have never run into an experience um, with a child where I asked them if they were suicidal and they weren't honest about it. That doesn't mean that some kids didn't say, yes, I am. I'm right. suicidal and I have a plan and I have, you know, I know exactly what I'm going to do and today's the day. And then, you know, and then we know what actions to take and you realize their goal isn't to die necessarily it's to end the pain that they can't kind of is sitting in the fog with them right here, right now. And they're looking, they're reaching out for a little help there, you know, a lot of help actually. I would encourage parents to um, talk openly about the surviving teens, about their fears, you know, like, um, and that might feel uh, unusual, but um, I think it's okay to say like, you know, I'm really worried about the impact that this is gonna have on you. I don't want to lose you too. And it's not about me. I want you to have a, a fulfilling life, you know? So I want you to be able to talk to me whenever you need to, even if it's not what I wanna hear, even if it's the hardest thing I'm ever gonna hear, even if you tell me you feel this way too, I wanna know that, you know? Like, so um, I think, the main thing we need to do as parents is make ourselves available and make sure that we are as healthy as we can be in the wake of that kind of loss as well. And part of it is there's some utility to having lost a sibling myself. I find, you know, because when I work with somebody, a bereaved sibling, I can say like, you know, I lost my brother almost 20 years ago. Um, and here I am. And then they can, and I'm open to questions about that. And all the answers aren't rosy, you know, like it's been really, really difficult at times, but I'm willing to share that with kids and that there's hope on the back end. You know, I love the name of, I love open to hope, you know, that's, it's so powerful because that's the message we want to leave young people with is like, no, there, there, there's hope even in the wake of terrible, tragic loss. You have found hope again after loss. And I know that Tom is your guiding light as is, and Scott is mine. And please, everybody out there, get this book. Listen to John's podcasts. You are su such a refreshing, positive voice with teens. And I want to thank you for all you're doing for teens in the world. Thank you, John. This thank is you. Heidi Horsley at Open to Hope. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.